Before we go into read our scripture, pray with me, if you will. Gracious God, open our eyes, our ears, our hearts, as we hear your word read and preached. Let your words speak to each of us so that we hear what you need us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. We're reading from the prophet Isaiah, excuse me, prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament. Chapter 33, verses 14 through 16. Let us listen for our word from the Lord. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today is the first Sunday of Advent, which is the beginning of the church year. And we just finished sharing a time of thanksgiving to God for all of our blessings and what more perfect way to enter the season of Advent. In our world, in this time of year, we decorate with trees and lights. We like to sing songs of the holidays. We shop till we drop and we count the days before Christmas. And if you're counting, it's less than a month away. However, the focus of Advent isn't about the glitz of the holidays that we see in society. It's about waiting, anticipating, and hope for God's promised coming. At Advent, we celebrate the arrival of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and we await the second coming of Jesus and God's kingdom of justice and righteousness. Waiting and anticipating are not easy, and they're oftentimes not joyous. We have a hard time waiting. We want what we want, and we want it now. Am I right? We even have a hard time waiting for something good, like maybe some home-baked bread. We don't like to wait. But the yeast needs time to rise. When my siblings and I were children, We had a hard time waiting for Christmas Day because that's when we could open our presents. And the rule in our house was that we each asked for one gift. If we went to see Santa or we were telling our parents what we wanted for Christmas, we could only ask for one thing. But every Christmas when we opened presents, there was much more under the tree than just that one thing. Now one Christmas, in the middle of the night, my sisters and I woke up and we decided that we wanted to come downstairs to see what might be under the tree. Oftentimes, some of the gifts that were under our tree were not wrapped, so we were were hoping we could get a peek. And my sisters were afraid to come down the stairs because they thought my parents might wake up and then they'd be mad, and so I volunteered for the mission. Not that I was not afraid of my parents getting mad, but I wanted to see what was under the tree. 
And so I sneaked down the stairs very, very quietly, and I tried to see in the dark everything I could, and then I went back upstairs and reported what I'd seen. However, my sleuth work was left something to be desired. Um, I told them what I thought we had gotten, what we, what we saw, but I was wrong on most things. And so in spite of my efforts, uh, it would have been better probably to, to just wait and anticipate the coming of Christmas. It wasn't any better to find out ahead of time. Anticipating can be exciting, fun, and, 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 and full of possibilities, especially when the outcome is a good one, like a birthday or a wedding day or a special occasion or vacation, even Christmas morning. We look forward to that in anticipation. But anticipating can also be something that we dread or fear, like if we have news that, we, that comes from the doctor that we're worried about, or if we have bills coming and we can't afford to pay them, or if our children are out late and we are waiting for a call that they're all right. Both waiting and anticipation can raise our stress level in good ways and in bad, but hope is different. Hope keeps us going, especially when we're experiencing things like depression or anxiety, or if we feel lost. Hope gives us light that can guide our way. It gives us the push we need to take the next step. And it also helps us to feel like some weight is lifted from our shoulders. Hope helps us wait and anticipate with a calmness it helps us breathe. Hope gives us peace in our soul. Advent is about waiting and anticipating with all the challenges that come with that. And it's about the promised hope that comes from God, from God's promise of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, and the promise for the future in God's kingdom. Jeremiah was a prophet. We read from chapter 33 this morning. And his job was to prophesy warning. Warning about the coming conquering of Judah, about the, the diaspora and the people, some of the people being ex exiled into Babylon, and also about the destruction of the temple. We can only imagine what they would have felt having those things happen when that, when that prophecy came came true. At first they didn't listen and didn't believe, but then they, then they did when it happened. We can only imagine how they felt. Feelings of loss and being lost, sadness, even despair, and hopelessness. Commentary writer Ayers writes, despair is characterized primarily by the absence of theological hope. Humans meet despair when they cannot imagine God's promised alternative future. When darkness surrounds us without a flicker of light anywhere, we cannot see any way to move, and it can block our vision of hope. I can imagine the exiles felt this way, perhaps believing that God had abandoned them and knowing that there was no way they could be saved without God. 
However, in the middle of the book of Jeremiah, you find chapters 30 and 33. We read from 33, as I said. This is sometimes, this little three-chapter section is sometimes called the book of consolation or the book of comfort because these chapters contain words of comfort, encouragement, and hope. Words of a future that God has planned for God's people. And in spite of the situation they're in, God lets them know that he has not abandoned them. God is with them where they are, and there is hope. A promised, God promised a, a righteous branch for David who would execute justice and righteousness for the people of Judah and that they would be saved. This message is good, good news for them. It gives them something to look forward to. It lets them know they are not abandoned and that God is with them, even in exile. Now, the question we might ask is when will God's promise be fulfilled? The passage uses, uses references of time like, the days are surely coming in those days and at that time. But God does not say exactly when this will happen. The lack of specificity about, about time frustrates us. We always seem to expect God to do things on our time, using clocks and calendars like we do. But God does not say when the promise will be fulfilled exactly. They would have to trust God that it would happen in God's time when the time was right. So they must wait in their current situation and anticipate the coming of God's promise. And my two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Emery, has a very hard time waiting. When she wants something, she'll come to me or to her grandpa and she'll say, Mima, Mima, Mima. And sometimes she even takes my face in her hands and points it to her own so that she knows I'm paying attention to her. She'll say, come on, come on, I'll show you. And if you tell her, wait just a minute, hold on. She waits about that long and then she comes back and she says, Mima. And sometimes she'll take my hand again and say, come on. She has a hard time waiting. She doesn't really understand time and she can't quite see past the present moment. Sometimes I think that as adults, our ability to, and willingness to, to, to wait is a struggle. But if we have hope and a promise of the future, we have something to fix our eyes upon. So we are less likely to be distracted and discouraged. Our spirit is strengthened and we can carry on with greater sense of hope. Corey Tenboom writes about her experiences in the Nazi concentration camps in World War II. In this passage from her book, The Hiding Place, she shares about the importance and power of God's word and her salvation and hope in the midst of unthinkable circumstances. She writes, Life in Ravensbrook took place on two separate levels, mutually impossible. One, the observable external life grew every day more hostile, more horrible. The other, the life we lived with God, grew, grew daily better 
truth upon truth, glory upon glory. In the midst of that horrible situation, God reigns supreme and was their hope and is our hope and our lifeline. Let us cling to God's word as our source of power, strength, and hope in all of life's circumstances. Now we can be thankful that we are not experiencing the same circumstances of someone in a concentration camp or someone being exiled as they were in Jeremiah's time. And though not the same, in our world today, we are mindful of, different, of the kinds of challenges that we do face. The battle with COVID for almost two years now has been exhausting and tragic for our world. And the struggles we face in our nation with social, racial, and political differences, disagreements, and unrest have been deeply concerning and draining. We live in a time where stress levels are high and people feel tense, angry, and overwhelmed, afraid and uncertain. Like the exiles, God's promise is for us too. And through God's promise and God's word, we have hope that we can count on and cling to. On this first Sunday of Advent, we want to draw near to the promises made by God. In this passage, God promises future for Judah and Israel. We find many other promises in the Bible, all of which we can count on because they're made by God. To make a promise or a vow or to swear an oath was an important act, very seriously taken. And the consequences of breaking that promise were equally as serious. A promise from God, though, was trusted, and the people knew it would be fulfilled. We also make promises of many different kinds in our world. Sometimes it's, it's, it's just a promise of uh, being someplace at a certain time or, or doing a task that someone's asked us. Children sometimes make pinky swears with their little finger just to promise, to, to uphold a promise or keep a secret. And back in the day, they may have called each other blood brothers as a sign that they would be fast friends for life. We make promises as parents and a church in the sacrament of baptism. And we had, last week, we shared the baptism of Helen Rose. And we had the blessing and the privilege to promise to support her in her faith and love of Jesus. We also make promises in our relationships and in marriage. We meet someone special and we spend time with them. We get to know them and know that we can trust them and trust their promises. We share our feelings and signs of a promise of love. And then we exchange rings and promise through our vows. And from that day forward, we, or the couple, has the opportunity to practice those promises each day. I read a story about two children 
They were playing. They were counting their money, and each child had five cents, five, five pennies. First child said, first little girl says, I have five cents. And the second little girl says, I have 10 cents. Well, the first little girl was fast to, fast to correct her. You just have five cents. And she goes, oh, no, no. She says, my father told me this morning that he was going to give me five cents when he got home from work, so I have 10 cents. The child's faith gave her proof of that which she had not yet seen, and she counted it to be already hers because it had already been promised to her by her father. The trustworthiness of a promise is influenced by who makes that promise. The promise in Jeremiah is significant and trustworthy because it comes from God, and on that they could depend. They did not require truth, excuse me, did not require proof or have to see the outcome before they could trust it. They knew and trusted God based on their experience with God. The same goes for us. When promises come from God, on that we can depend. While we might not know when or how the promise will be fulfilled, and in, the time, in time of waiting and anticipating, we know it will happen and we can trust God. God will be with us through the fulfillment of that promise. In this season of Advent, let us draw near to God, remembering God's promise of Christ Jesus, our Messiah, and awaiting the second coming of Christ, the coming of God's kingdom of justice and righteousness. And as we wait, let us always, each day, live for God, placing God first in our lives. To the glory of God. Amen. Oh,